Chicago in the house. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I made this decision last minute. Um, yesterday was not the best day ever. Uh, and so I was a little like, and I didn't really want to sit down and do a whole um, Q&A video and all the rigmarole that I have to go through. Um, in doing that, so I thought I would just do a live stream this morning. We're going to do a live stream probably next week also because I'm going to be on the road again. Uh, next week I'll be doing a speaking engagement in uh, Twin Cities uh, at a at Paganicon, uh, which is a pagan convention. And I am not a pagan, <laughs> but I have friends who are. And I was invited to speak uh, at that convention about um, how to practice practicing safe sex as in S-E-C-T-S, sex. Uh, and it'll be, I'll be doing a talk there about um, cult influences and how to avoid uh, cult influences and cult situations uh, and techniques uh, within you know, the, the pagan community, uh, is what I was asked to do. So I thought that would be fun and a chance to get out to Twin Cities and see some friends out there. Uh, again, so I'll, that's where I'll be next weekend. So uh, this, this live stream will probably be happening again next week also from there because it's a lot easier to do it that way than try to pre-do it um you know because i like to be i if i can if i can i prefer my q a's to be um you know in, in res responsive to what's going on in the world uh and especially in the scientology world uh hey guys chapel hill all right yorkshire england my goodness excellent um, okay, so that is a little bit of that. As far as why yesterday was not really such a great day, let me just uh, explain for everybody who did not. If you're, if you're following me on Facebook or if you are uh, a patron supporter, then you know this already, but I had to pull my podcast yesterday. I figured this would be a good way to, to sort of intro this video while folks come on board here. Um, Brighton, England, all right. Um, I uh, had some factual errors in the podcast that I put together about the Second Amendment yesterday. Um, I was very, very disappointed to find that out. It was uh, my bad. Um, I, I will certainly blame the fraudulent source, though. Uh, I had quoted from a, um, a book called uh, Arming America, which I did not know that the author, Michael Brasellis or something like that, was uh, proven out to have been uh, fraudulent in his research as a historian about uh, the use and, and proliferation of guns in colonial America and uh, all the way up to the Old West. He had, he had written a book. It had received an award. That award uh, was actually pulled away from him after uh, a bunch of investigation was done about his, um, uh, his research. And turns out that he had claimed to do uh, probate record research and uh, gone back into a bunch of historical records to find out, you know, basically uh, census information about guns and gun ownership back in the day. And it uh, turns out he was a liar. And uh, that really sucked because because uh, I thought he had um, some pretty interesting data. It was not overall crucial to the message of the podcast. Uh, the rest of the podcast was researched on other more legitimate and reputable sources like the congressional record and the and the Supreme Court records and things like that, which were not fraudulent. And I and I still stand by the overall point of the podcast, but I could not, in good conscience, leave it up with uh, quotes from a fraudulent source. That's just not uh, what I do. Um, you know, if I am proven out to have said or 
done something, an error or wrong, I'll retract it. I'll, I'll, I'll try to correct that, and I just couldn't leave it up. Uh, needless to say, this was uh, very disappointing and upsetting to me because I had spent literally weeks uh, researching that video and putting it all together in between all the other work that I do. So, um, yeah, Joseph asked me if it would have been better to add a disclaimer and annotation. I, um, I could not do that because there were three places in the video where I quoted from that source and I thought it's just, it, it's too much integrated into the stream of the video. And um, so that's why I made the decision to pull it rather than leave, you know, some of the data is good, some of the data is not. You may or may not see the disclaimer. It would be too easy to attack the video on the basis of having used a fraudulent source uh, that was, you know, by a guy who was proven out to be a liar. And I just didn't want to mess around with that. So that's why I decided I'd take it down and kind of rework it. And I'll figure out what I'm going to do uh, or whether I'm going to do anything with it. Uh, you know, the other thing is I, I also realized that, um, uh, thanks Fred, um, I also realized that, um, you know, not everybody wants to hear from me about guns, <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know if that's a subject I really should be, uh, should be taking up or not, I have to kind of rethink that, uh, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, I have very strong feelings about gun violence, um, but I also know that it is a, um, uh, very, very hot topic, very heated, uh, deeply personal topic to a lot of people. And there are good points made on all sides. And it's easy to go all black or all white. Um, you know, the purpose of the podcast was not to be partisan. The purpose of my podcast yesterday was to educate uh, everyone on all sides about the Second Amendment and the actual history of it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, Tara says I'll change less minds than with the flat earthers. Yeah, probably true. Um, but I've kind of also, another thing I want to say before we get into the questions, um, and you guys can start firing questions at me, by the way, um, is that um, uh, I've kind of moved, I, I'm not so interested in changing minds anymore. I've been doing this for four years now, and I've seen that you can educate, you can inform, you can bait, badger, argue, do whatever with YouTube and with, with information, but, um, you know, I don't know, I got to figure out a better way to do this, uh, you know, because uh, in, in terms of changing hearts and minds, because um, it's a slow process and it's a difficult one, you know, when you're dealing with people who are so steeped into a cult-like mentality, whether it's guns or, you know, other political matters that are made political, actually, I should say, because I don't particularly think that that, uh, that that whole issue is a political issue. It's not a Democrat-Republican thing. But anyway, hot topic item, so we'll see. I'll, I'll probably pick it back up because I am so passionate about it, but we'll see where that goes. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably redo it. Uh, thanks, Christine, for, for, thinking, for saying that. Uh, okay, good morning, Karen. Um, all right. Yeah, <laughs> well-formed militias. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay, just looking at some of the comments here. So, this is a Q&A show. So, go ahead and start firing questions at me if you guys have any, and I will start taking them up. India? Wow. Hello, India. You know, in my wildest 
flights of fancy, it never occurred to me that I would be reaching people in India. I don't really know why. The internet is international and doesn't really have boundaries or borders. But it just, you know, it was kind of like the first time I got a message from someone in Germany. And the first time I got a message from someone in New Zealand, I was like, wow, really? I'm, I'm global? That's, uh, that's kind of awesome. It's kind of fun. Um, okay, let's see here. Um, I am thinking about a couple things that I have been asked recently. And like I said, since this is a Q&A show, let's go ahead and get into answering some questions. Let me pull up... Um, my document of questions. Um, oh, there's there's a there's a good topic right there. There was somebody asking, "What do I think about that Mooney ceremony?" <laughs> uh, Carolyn asks. Speaking of guns, what do you think about the Mooney's gun reunification ceremony? Yikes! Yeah, that was my response. Yikes. Um, you know, I have mentioned, um, let's go ahead and jump into this one. Um, I have mentioned that there is a cult of guns uh, in the United States, and I truly, definitely believe that. All the indicators are there of it. And that ceremony where people, I, I believe this is the one where people got it dressed up in like wedding dresses and had their AR-15s with them and other guns and rifles and, and did this ceremony. Uh, that's nuts. That's just crazy. And I don't know why they don't see that it's crazy <laughs> in the same way that, like, Scientology is crazy. I mean, it's that out there. It's like it's like flat earther territory. How do they not see that? I, I really don't get how, even if you're going to hold uh, a, a firm, solid belief in self-defense or in your interpretation of the Second Amendment, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. If you have a, you know, uh, some kind of an intellectual foundation that you're basing this on and it's kind of logical to you it makes a lot of sense okay great but how could anybody think that presenting that idea that those images to the world is in any way rational <laughs> like that's I, you know i just i i can't quite get the disconnect between you know the 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 appearance they put out there of of that it's crazy uh, and of course, if that's what they, you know, if they're that far gone, well, they're kind of beyond all reason. Um, Paul asks, what are my thoughts on Florida's new gun law? Do you, are you referring to the, um, the one about how they raise the age limit, uh, to be able to purchase firearms to 21 years old? Uh, if, if that's what it, uh, is about, I am in support of that. I believe that gun regulations in the United States are woefully inadequate, uh, across the boards. And I believe that it's up to the states to deal with this um, because the uh, federal government Supreme Court has proven that it is not going to deal with this at a federal level and maybe they shouldn't um, you know I don't know I, I I only say that because it's so divisive in Washington and there's so much um, you know gun money in Washington influencing the decision-making processes there that it's damn near impossible at a practical level to you know I mean Mitch McConnell just blew these kids off these uh, these um, these Douglas uh, High kids and the other marches and rallies and and uh, voices that are being uh, being heard across the country on this issue. I mean, I think it's in the seventy percent range of people. I think at last I saw it was seventy six percent of people support uh, background checks 
or firmer regulations on guns, but the politicians just don't want to hear it. And I and I really don't. I'm not. I'm not tracking again with the disconnect on that. Um, but it's there, and so uh, so I so I think we're going to have to you know probably deal with this on a state level. And I support uh, you know I don't support a lot of stuff that comes out of Florida, but on this issue on that law, I think they made the right move, and uh, I hope that. Um, you know, the NRA, of course, immediately challenged it. But, you know, hey, the NRA is only about safe shooting and teaching kids how to shoot, how to shoot guns right. And they're not a lobbying organization. Right. <laughs> That's going to be another thing I'm going to have to take on. I'm probably, I'm thinking about, um, and, I, and I haven't come to a conclusion yet, by the way. Uh, that's not how I do things. Um, I suspect, I have reason to believe that there is, you know, cultic behavior in the, within the NRA and that they might be... Uh, using cultic techniques. In fact, I know they're using OSA tactics all over Twitter, but uh, I'm probably going to do a deep dive into the NRA and look at what's going on with that group and its history and that sort of thing. That's going to be another, you know, big research project in between all the other projects that I'm always working on to bring you guys more stuff about Scientology. But um, I think the NRA is kind of too much of a target for me to ignore uh, as far as the cultic techniques and, and, and high control processes that are used there. So that's sort of what I'm, I'm thinking about approaching with that, just based on what I've seen already. But I am really curious what I'll find. Uh, like I said, I don't go into this with, with preconceived ideas, and I don't do research with the idea of, of confirmation bias. At least not, you know, I try to fight that urge within myself to only, only cherry pick the facts that I want, you know, and, uh, and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, how's the meter video coming? <laughs> what you're gonna see is um, you're gonna see the meter video coming as part of the basics of Scientology series of videos that I'm doing. That's what that little motion means, and um, and it'll be probably coming near the end of the series um, because it'll rely on information from some of the earlier videos in the series, like the ARC triangle video that I did, the tone scale video that I'm gonna be doing, um, the next in the video in that Basics of Scientology series will be uh, on the data series. Uh, I'm working with, uh, excuse me, I'm working with Jeff Wassell and John P. Capitalist, and uh, they have been uh, very insightful for me in, 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 in some things. We did a video this last week uh, where we um, talked about that letter from L. Ron Hubbard to Ronald Reagan about the tax system. I know it's very contentious. I know taxes are a very personal and rough issue for a lot of people. And if you say, hey, let's take away taxes, a lot of people are going to go, yay. Um, I am not a big tax guy. I'm not all about taxing the hell out of people. Um, but L. Ron Hubbard was dead wrong in that letter, and they helped me figure that out. Now we are working together on the data series, which is a, a, a series of policy letters L. Ron Hubbard wrote about how to think. <laughs> which should be kind of interesting. I mean, literally, this is L. Ron Hubbard telling telling Scientologists, this is how to think. This is what logic is. This is what reason is. This is what sanity is. Whoa. Uh, so I'm going to be taking that whole thing apart, and and they are going to help me with that. So, um, so that's going to be kind of fun, uh, I think. I think that's going to be a lot of fun, actually. So m probably this week uh, will be my video on the data series for the Basics of Scientology series, and then Jeff and John and I will do more videos or podcasts 
breaking down other parts of it. It's a it's a big series of policy letters. Like there's like 70 issues or something. So I'll be doing a very you know sort of cursory look at not cursory but a um, a quick look at the whole thing uh, based on the the shortened condensed version. It'll be the like the Reader's Digest condensed version of the data series. I'll be breaking that down, and then we'll go deeper into the into the rest of it. Uh, Ron, yeah, exactly. Ron on thinking skills is like Ken Ham on science. Yeah, just no. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, okay, so again, not seeing a lot of questions here in this Q&A. So uh, if you guys have questions for me, fire them at me. Otherwise, I will start pulling up some questions I've been asked in other places. Um, so how do I know it's Sunday? All right, so uh, let's see here. Um, I have... Um, this question from a person who asks me um, about intimate relationships in the Sea Org. I'm just going to jump into this one and then I'll go back to, the, to your comments and see what you guys are saying. Uh, he says, I know that abortion is rampant as the Sea Org is not equipped to handle children, but why not provide the ladies with birth control? It's certainly cheaper than surgery. Um, well, the truth is that most Sea Org members that I knew of got um, birth control through Planned Parenthood, uh, you know, for free, for the most part. Scientology is like a leech on society in many ways, and that's not a statement about Planned Parenthood. I, I, I love Planned Parenthood. I think that uh, I support their work a, a thousand percent. Um, and, and before anybody freaks out about abortions and all that, that is a that is this much of what Planned Parenthood is is about. Um, it, I support all of it. I mean, they, the, all the education work that they do and all that. Um, but in terms of Scientology being leech on society, what I mean is they will they have all this money, all this you know funds accumulated, and none of it can be um, put into. Uh, the, the crew, the staff, the Sea Org, uh, or their welfare. And so they have, they nickel and dime the, you know, the Sea the, the Org have to struggle to make ends meet in any way uh, when it comes to outside activities like birth control or medical, uh, getting medical help. Uh, you know, it's always on the public dole, which is just awful. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's just leech, you know, they just leech on society because they don't, they don't have to, you know, with, with millions, billions in the bank or in reserves or at their disposal, um, and a few thousand Sea Org members, uh, you know, that doesn't um, really make a lot of sense, does it? Okay, well, let's go ahead and report Twisted Mickey, because I got a troll on the... On the uh, <laughs> On the comment section, I love trolls. This is awesome. Um, I realized this morning, uh, you know, I must not be doing something. I, if I if I have haters, I must be doing something right. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, why did Scientology close the ranch for Scientology kids back in '94? Um, boy, that's a big topic. Um, basically because they got sick of, of dealing with the kids. They, they had accumulated enough <laughs> wrongdoing on those kids uh, that I think they, you know, realized that, uh, and, and, and it had recoiled 
on the church by 1994. All through the 80s, and through the 70s and the 80s, the Sea Org uh, coped with the kids, is how they put it. You know, you cope, you deal with it, you just kind of handle it as it goes. And they did not deal with it well. And so when those kids inevitably grew up and started leaving Sea Org facilities and started speaking out, or others found them and started speaking out about what they found and what they saw, Scientology was like, oh my God, you know, now we're going to reap what we sowed. And so they went, oh, well, we're going to have to shut this whole thing down, you know, kill all the records, destroy, you know, everything, and, um, and pretend that we were always just a bunch of great guys, and that these kids are just, you know, like, as is usual Scientology critic practice, target the critic, not what the critic is criticizing, right? Even though, in the case of Scientology, almost all criticism of the organization has some basis or, or validity. So they tried to just kind of whitewash the whole thing, cover it all up, and then even got the kids who were still, you know, who had been effectively brainwashed, in effect, right, uh, to go on video and talk about how great the Scientology, the Sea Org schools were, and their ranch was, and the Cadet Org was, even though they were hellholes. I mean, we, we have pictures, right, uh, of this. I mean, it's not like this is hard to figure out what happened to these kids. So they, anyway, but that was why in the 90s they, um, they realized the PR disaster that they had created and they shut it down. So, um, yeah, that's going away. I love the trolls. Okay, so let's see here. Um... Do you think? Oh, this is a, okay. Here's a good question. Um, RoboTube one. Do you think that Scientology could have been a success by just running the first courses that recruits get exposed to? Uh, these early courses, mostly about communicating better, relationship improvement, I think, seem to get quite positively reviewed. Unlike much of the other nefarious practices. Yes. Um, yes. Okay, RoboTube, that I, I think if Scientology wanted to reform, then that is how they would reform, is they would literally cut out all the advanced material and they would just go down to the, the very practical, common sense, do-it-yourself, um, self-help, rather I should say, uh, courses. And, uh, you know, the... the, the uh, the communications course is, is fairly benign at the lower levels, you know, before you're sitting there for hours doing the, those those drills. At the lower levels, at the, at the beginning level, you're not doing that really to the same degree. So, you know, those could be helpful. Um, the study stuff is fine, as I've gone over in my study tech video. You know, if you don't go to an extreme with it, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with looking up words in a dictionary. Uh, a lot of those courses would help people out more than they would hurt. Uh, if you take, if you sort of dismantle all the cult framework around it, uh, then that could be helpful. And that's why the um, Scientology missions in the 1970s and, and early 80s, before, before Hubbard and Miscavige dismantled them all, that's why they were so successful. It's because those were the kinds of services that they were offering, as well as the Scientology counseling, which has total coin toss as to, you know, what kind of results that's going to have on you. Uh, generally not a, not good stuff but at the lower levels 
it's more helpful. There's more, you know, return on investment, I guess I should say, than when you get to the level of clear and operating Phaeton and those levels where you're getting into all the Xenu crap and all that and the body Phaetons and there's more body Phaetons on top of body Phaetons. That stuff is just for the birds. And if they just wiped all that stuff out and just went down to that, you know, sort of lower level services stuff, I wouldn't really have a whole lot to say about Scientology if that's if they did that. And got rid of OSA. That's a, that they have to do that too. Um, Jay, hey, how big do you estimate the Sea Org is currently? Uh, we figure four to five thousand people. When I left the Sea Org, we figured it was about five thousand people. That was the count. Now I think it's probably down to about four thousand max. Um, based on attrition rates and information that we have on, on people having left the international base and what a ghost town that place is, um, you know, how, how PAC is, is not so great uh, in terms of numbers of staff, how they've, how they've you know, uh, meshed uh, certain organizations together that used to be separate organizations. Now they're one because their number of resources they have to staff these organizations is, is fewer and fewer. So we figure internationally 4,000. If somebody told me it was even down to 3,000, I wouldn't particularly be surprised. But that's, uh, that's what I know right now. Thanks for asking, Jay. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, Carolyn asked an interesting question. How do they convince parishioners to do negative or positive videos that they know go against their experiences? Okay, this, is, this feeds right into cult mentality and the idea of greatest good for greatest number. Uh, you know, when you're in a group and you support the group in general, especially a cult, where you're all in, you are, all, you are fully invested in that group, and this is any group, um, when they ask you to do something, you're probably going to do it. Because if you don't do it, you know that that's going to be a black mark. You're going to be looked at a little, you know, you're going to get the side glance, right? You're going uh, to get the stink eye, right? What do you mean you don't want to do that video? Do you not support Scientology? Don't you like us anymore? <laughs> and, um, and generally speaking, the people that they get to do that work aren't, aren't even in that headspace. They're in the headspace of, we love this stuff. This is the best stuff ever. And, uh, and it's not hard in any group to find those people. So they don't, generally speaking, use the people who know that what they're saying isn't true or, or know that what they're saying is, is you know, hypocritical. They're, just, they're, they're, they're in a different headspace than an objective observer such as yourself or uh, an anti-person like me, right? I mean, I'm definitely in a different headspace. But, uh, but I've been in that other end of it, and, uh, and you're all in. You know, I would have done anything for Scientology. I thought the Sea Org was, well, almost anything. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know about breaking the law and stuff, but, um, but I, was, I was all in. And I thought that, you know, once you think that what you're doing is better uh, for everyone in the long run, you know, if you think that you're on the path of, of righteousness, anything can be justified easily. You know, we're not that logical. <laughs> we're, we're pretty stupid as a species, and we're willing to do all kinds of stupid shit. So, uh, anyway, 
So that's that's how that's how that goes. You could blackmail somebody into making a video like that too, which is uh, you know it might be the case with uh, to some degree with with Marty Rathbun, for example. Um, but uh, but you don't have to when you're in a group like Scientology. You don't have to. It's easy enough to find the hardcore true believers and uh, and get them to say what you want them to say. All right, let's go here. Let's go back to the comments here. See what else people have been saying. Um, oh, Bumble Homestead asks, I looked at the little chart called the tone scale that looks like it's aimed at children, and sympathy is fairly low on it. Are they saying sympathy is bad? Yes, they are. No question about it. And I actually addressed this question in a Q&A fairly recently. I talked about why L. Ron Hubbard said sympathy is a bad thing. He said it was the last thing you could do and the least effective thing you could do with somebody would be to sympathize with them. Um, Joseph asks, but if they took away all the cultic trappings, remove the OT stuff and the like, wouldn't that eventually kill the church? Yeah. <laughs> it would. Are there Scientologists working in the U.S. government? Puppet Interrupted asks. If so, how many and what branches? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I got no idea. Um, you know, are, I will say this, though. Uh, no, they're actually, actually, uh, I can say that if there are Scientologists working in the U.S. government, they are not at high levels. They are not involved in any of the alphabet organizations like the FBI, CIA, NSA, or any of that, because Scientology won't have those people in its group. Uh, they specifically filter them out early on. They will ask you, they will ask you direct and pointed questions in uh, in metered interviews whether you are or have any family working for the FBI, NSA, CIA, etc., 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 because they don't want any of that anywhere near Scientology. Um, Scientology was has been in the past very thoroughly attacked, investigated, and attacked by uh, all of those organizations in one degree or another, and so they do not trust them, don't want to have anything to do with them, and. Uh, and the, so they won't trust you. And I actually knew people, uh, met people in Scientology who had family who were in the FBI or something, and they had to disconnect, and they had to, um, and they couldn't, and they had a hard time moving up the bridge in Scientology. Even if though they were like, you know, take my money, please, they still couldn't really be making a lot of progress without having to jump through a lot of hurdles because of that connection with those government organizations. So actually, I guess I could answer that question by saying, yeah, pretty much almost nobody. <laughs> Just had to think about that for a second. Uh, okay, let's see here. Um, uh, Michael Blau asks about my approach. Uh, I was impressed as always by your presentation about the guns and Second Amendment issue, thank you. How long did it take you to prepare that? Please share how you approached that presentation. Um, well, it took me weeks of study, uh, going over a lot of stuff, and basically all I wanted to do was, was I went back to uh, the Second Amendment, the wording of the Second Amendment, how, where, how it came about, who, who wrote it, uh, what they were inspired by to write it. I mean, all this is, is very thoroughly covered in, his, in history and historical uh, records. Uh, the Constitutional Convention, the Articles of Confederation, how all that worked out and um, why the Bill of Rights was written in the first place. I mean, this was a fascinating study for me. I loved learning about all this stuff, or in some ways relearning what I already learned in, you know, civics class in high school. 
and then I put it all together into a timeline. I also looked at the development of weapons and, and guns specifically, and I, and I plotted all that on a timeline. And then I looked at census figures and information, and that's where I found the bad data that I had to take the podcast down for uh, when I was looking at how, how prolific were guns in the old days. And I learned a lot uh, about the Native Americans and, uh, and their use of guns and trade with the white man and, and that sort of thing. That was kind of fascinating, too. Um, anyway, that was kind of how I put it together. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, Cynthia asks, will my son be going to my wedding? Nah, he's in Australia. He, I don't think he, he won't be coming. Um, uh, thank you very much for your kind words there. Uh, let's see. Uh, being plays, Ron should know his church can I grow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I explained at the beginning of this video why the skeptically, why my sensibly speaking podcast disappeared. Um, it just it had bum data in it, and I had to take it down. I talked about that at length, actually, at the beginning of this video. So after I'm done here, this will post on my channel. You can go back and check that out because I explained it very thoroughly. Um, okay. Uh, oh, Fred asks, how come I don't review movies like The Master, Love Mercy, or the series like The Path or Handmaid's Tale? Time. Really, that's the only reason. Um, I have watched The Master. I really do need to do a video on it. It's, 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 it's a an omission that I have not done that because The Master is probably the best movie about Scientology from a non, you know, from a from a fiction uh, angle. And Paul Thomas Anderson, um, as far as I'm concerned, he's, a, he's an odd bird and he makes odd movies, but The Master was perfect uh, as far as Scientology goes. People think it's a really weird movie and they're right, it is a weird movie because the movie accurately reflects Scientology. I mean, almost perfectly. And Paul Thomas Anderson's the only person I know, especially in the non-Scientology world, who nails, absolutely nails the relationship between L. Ron Hubbard and Mary Sue, uh, whose character is played by Amy Adams in the in the movie. So I really, I really owe you guys a, a review on The Master. And uh, I haven't done The Path because I haven't watched The Path. Uh, and nor The Handmaid's Tale. I just haven't had the time or inclination to watch those. But I, I should, I should, I should jump on those. Um, did I like The Shape of Water? I liked it, but I didn't think it was best picture uh, quality. And that's all. <laughs> duck. I'm gonna duck now because <laughs> I, I posted that on Facebook, and I, I, oh man, I, that was not a broadly agreed upon idea. <laughs> um. Okay, let's see here. Carolyn Oceanek asks, um, what about Scientology travel agents using their flight access to find blown members? Is that illegal? Sure, it would leave a digital trail. I don't know if it's illegal or not. I don't know anything about the laws uh, covering that. I would imagine it certainly should be if it's not. I'd, I don't think if I book with a travel agent that it's anybody else's business, what I've done. Um, I think that Scientology has direct access in some fashion now to travel information. Um, I, I, that's supposition on my part. I can't say for sure that that's true. But I think they have some kind of access to those records or database or something. Or somehow get somehow they get, they get that info. And it might be through travel agents or it might be through some other nefarious means. And uh, obviously it's really none of their business. But they, they don't care. 
you know, if they're looking for somebody who's taken off, they'll do anything to catch that person and uh, try to convince them to come back. Um, oh, hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for that. Uh, I got a couple little uh, donations there. Awesome. Super fun. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, somebody says, um, just kind of scrolling back here. Um, hmm. Hmm. Cynthia asks, is the Sea Org having issues um, with language due to, due to the fact many are not speaking English as a primary language, so many coming from Asia or Russia? No, they have a massive translations unit uh, is in Europe and uh, also here in the United States. And I think they've been translating a lot of stuff internally uh, to deal with that. They did have major problems with language barriers when I was there, but they were tackling that in a pretty impressive fashion, actually, uh, with their translations units, and they were manning those up and, and doing a lot of work with that. I don't know if those units are still in place and operating. I imagine that they are. And if they are, then they've, they're, they're, you know, they're probably solving that, that issue. Oh yeah, Roman here uh, mentions that the uh, Russian TU was the best worldwide. I've headed it for years. Yeah, so yeah, they're they're on top of things as far as the translations goes. Okay, scrolling back through here. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Daniel, second, Daniel's question about medical care earlier. Can you repeat that? I'm looking for it now. Ah, here is. Why is medical treatment such a big deal? Why do I hear so many horror stories about Scientologists avoiding a doctor? As an EMT, this worries me. Okay. Here's the real fundamental bottom line answer to that question. Scientologists don't think bodies are very important. L. Ron Hubbard says many, many times that your body is like a splinter in the thumb of your thetan, you know, or your spirit. It's just an accessory. It's just an added piece of baggage that you carry around in order to interact with other people and live your life, and then you die, and then you go get another body, and another one, and another one, and another one. And that, that's the cycle. And it's an endless cycle. It's been going on for trillennia, millions, billions of years. You've been having a body, living a life, the body dies, you go grab another one. So bodies are a dime a dozen. So all this attention on care of the body, taking you know health measures and 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 remedying sickness and all that kind of thing meh, meh. it's not really that important now that doesn't mean that individual Scientologists don't value their lives of course they do but it's tempered by this idea that you're if you die you're just gonna go get another body you know I uh, I think I might have told this story before, but I'll, I'll tell it again in answer to this question. I used to, I, I don't really like flying very much. Uh, it's, it's kind of scary sometimes. And I've, got, I've done a lot of flying, and I'm kind of more used to it now than I used to be. But I always used to, when the plane would take off, I would always sort of tell myself, back when I was in Scientology, well, this could be it. I might die on this plane. It might crash. Uh... Now, I know, statistically speaking, that it's safer than driving my car, but I'm just saying, you don't feel that way when the plane is rocking and the turbulence and all that. And I used to tell myself, um, hey, 
Come on over here. Seven's interrupting our... our uh... Come here. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come say hi to the people. Ah. Ah. This is Seven. He's our cat. <laughs> you can see he's really happy to be held. <laughs> right off you go. So I used to tell myself when I was on the plane and it was taking off that it would really suck. But you know, I'll just go get another body. And it, would, and it would suck because I would lose my, you know, my family, my connections, that sort of thing. But, meh, I'll just go get another body. And I really thought that was how life was, should be looked at. I thought that it should be sort of a carefree attitude. I thought that I was, that that was a good thing to think. That bodies, ah, you know. Mm, I don't think that anymore. I very much value my life now because this might be the only one I get. And I kind of hope that it's not, but, you know, you don't know until you know. <laughs> so that philosophy or that viewpoint that I just sort of expressed is, the, is an underlying theme to all of Scientology. And all Scientologists buy into that idea. And Hubbard flat out blatantly says this stuff during the course of, uh, oh, hey, hey, thanks, Cynthia. Um, flat out says this over and over again in his lectures. So, so this is the idea behind why medical care or treating your body or caring for your body, eh, you know, I guess, but it's in the end, it's not super, super important, you know. Um, it, anyway, that's, that's part of the answer to the question. There's a lot more to it, of course. I've talked about Scientology and medical issues and, and, and stuff like that many, many times on this on the Q&A shows. So I won't go into it any more than that. But I don't think I've ever expressed what I just said. So I thought that might help answer the question. Um, seven, by the way, is named Seven because he has a little white seven in his fur. It looks like a little seven. That's why he got named that. It's not seven of nine. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Go back up the line. Catch myself up here. Um, let's see. Da 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 da. D d d d d. Did LRH know? I'm just kind of flying through these. Um, did LRH know he was starting a cult? If so, he sure seemed to have all the tools to create one. Or did he just get lucky? You know, Teresa asked me that question there. Um, he just kind of got lucky. <laughs> but actually, um, at the beginning, he did. I mean, he think about it this way. He writes Dianetics. It, it, it booms. It takes off. It's a bestseller. Then he tanks it. He bankrupts the organizations that's, that form up as a result of that book. Then he gets a second chance, and he bankrupts it again. And he, and he loses his right to the copyrights even, and he takes off for Phoenix, and he starts up Scientology as a religion, uh, which was always in the back of his mind to do. He just tried to he just tried the science, you know, the legitimate science approach first, and he failed miserably because he didn't know anything about science. So then he tanked, So then he starts Scientology, and with a lot of help from other people, it it grows and forms up, and then he figures out oh. <laughs> and uh oh thanks crack thanks crackpot for that uh, i'll try not to spit it all in one place <laughs> thank you um and it and he and he then figures out 
how to control people and how to make it more and more invasive and more and more controlling. And uh, by the early 1960s, he's nailed it. He's got the, all, the, all the various things in place to control people's lives uh, at the most intimate personal level. And he doesn't hold back in doing that. And that is what speaks volumes about his character, is that he was w not only willing to do that, but anxious to, and was anxious to make money off of people by doing that. And that is pretty yucky. Uh, oh, hey, thanks for that on the three apostates. Um, okay, let's see here. Um, oh, for any late arrivals, I talked extensively at the beginning of this video about the uh, Sensibly Speaking podcast that I took down yesterday. And so when this video posts later today, um, you can get the whole story on that. But I, I did purposefully take that down, and I probably will redo it in some fashion in the future. Um Okay, let's see here. Moving on down the line. Have uh, Ascari Navarro asks, Hey Chris, have you considered researching other cults? Because as a Latino, we have many. Two I know. Uh, oh, and thank you for good luck on the wedding. Um, okay, I have researched other cults, and I've talked about them on this channel. There are thousands of them, literally. So it, it would be impossible for me to fully cover like every cult out there. I get requests all the time. To look into groups. I just got a, an extensive email yesterday about the Seventh-day Adventists. Um, so there's no shortage of, of content out there on that subject. Um, and I'm getting to it as I can and as I feel it's relevant to the, to the message of my channel. Uh, okay, let's see here. Uh, where can we find the master? I, I don't know, on cable? <laughs> um, yeah, and the movie reviews, yeah. Uh, okay, let's see here. Um, do Scientologists positive results from it? Okay, Dynamic Uno T asks, After years of trying to ruin the lives of SPs and willingly disconnecting from friends and family, do Scientologists see positive results from it? Do they see the evidence of this greatest good? Objectively speaking, no, they don't. But here's the thing about people, is you can see anything you want in anything you want. One man's trash pile is another man's you know, f f uh, mansion. I mean, that's that's how crazy we are as a species. You know, as our minds are able to hold two contra totally contradictory thoughts at the same time, and we just you know, and they just they we just do that. I don't know exactly why. I don't know that it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not making a value judgment on it. I'm just saying it's a little crazy the way we can do that. And so you get people who are all in on a belief, and once they buy into it, pulling them out of it <laughs> is sometimes a real challenge. And it's not just logic and reason that work to do it, uh, is what I've sort of uh, had to learn the hard way, uh, you know, through the work I've done on this channel and through social media and stuff. Uh, all right, let's see here. Um, Oh, Baby Wright, 1983 asks, does each body have to restart the stages of Scientology? Could you walk in and say my previous body was this level? Yes, you could. And if you can prove it, then they'll buy your story. If you can walk into a Scientology church and, um, and say I was, you know, OT3 in my last lifetime, and so I'm coming in now and I want to be OT3, 
then they're going to take you into a room and they're going to put you on the e-meter and they're going to ask you a ton of questions. And you're going to have to say a lot more than just the word Xenu in order to, to convince them that this was the case. They want to, they're going to want the name of your body in your last lifetime. And then they're going to go look and see if they can find your folders. Because they have the records of every single person who has done the Xenu stuff. All the OT3 material or 4 or 5 or 6 or whatever. And so they're going to they're gonna try to find your folders. You know, if you walk in there and you say, yeah, my, I was Joe Smith. And uh, they're going to go, great. And if, you know, because if you're coming in here and saying you have all this recall of what you did in your last lifetime, then you should certainly remember your name. <laughs> and then they're going to go try to find those folders. If they can't find them, they're not going to say, well, you're a liar. But they are, might have a harder time accepting your story. Uh, but this is accounted for in the, the issues and directives from Hubbard on how to deal with people who have had auditing in a past life. And there is a whole procedure to it. And they do think that that is a possibility, especially as Scientology goes on and on. Uh, let's see here. Um, Fred Flodgeston asked me, do you see parallels between the psychological profile of L. Ron Hubbard and Joseph Smith? I cannot answer that question honestly because I don't know enough about Joseph Smith personally to say. Um, I do see parallels between the, the uh, cultic influences of the organizations, the Mormon Church and the Church of Scientology. I've talked about that. Um, but I can't speak about Joseph Smith personally, not yet. I haven't, haven't studied that enough. Uh, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. Getting some... Um, somebody's asking me a question in a foreign language. Well, I can't answer that one. Uh, let's see here. Up Mayo asked me. Oh, we're coming up on uh, the hour here. I'm, I'm going to do this for an hour. So let's uh, let's see what other questions I can answer. What are your thoughts on Jeffrey Augustine's Panama revelations? I, I believe this is in regards to Jeffrey Augustine showing that some Scientologists, uh, very rich ones, uh, were found to have their names in the Panama Papers. I don't know. It doesn't particularly surprise me. Um, I, you know, there are some very rich Scientologists, and they put their money in all kinds of places in order to hold on to it or, or invest it in what they think are good causes or whatever. Uh, and uh, so to find some Scientologists in there, eh, not a surprise. Why is the free winds in Cartagena? Uh, probably because the ABC Islands have become a little unfriendly to them uh, as time has gone on, and so they've had to find new ports of call. Uh, let's see. How do you feel about the guy on Facebook that says he is LRH reincarnated, asks Cynthia. Uh, I think he's a loser. <laughs> I think there's a lot more ways that you could make a living or uh, get attention by, beyond claiming that you were L. Ron Hubbard. Of all the people in history I would not want to be, L. Ron Hubbard would be pretty close to the top of the list. Uh, you know, right up there with a Mussolini or a Hitler or a John Dillinger or something. I mean, for crying out loud. Ugh. Okay. Um, oh, here's, here's a nice question. Uh, Polly asked me, if you had never been in the Sea Org, what profession do you think you'd be in? Well, I was going to be a writer. Uh, I was going to be an English teacher. That was the path I was on before I got recruited for Scientology. Actually, Scientology staff 
first in Santa Barbara. I was going to college, um, junior college, and I didn't really like it very much. Um, I didn't have my head on really straight, you know, when I was 17. I was pretty confused about a lot of things. I, I guess you could say that's still the case. But, um, but I did have a career path of becoming a writer. I idolized Stephen King, um, other authors as well, but I really like Stephen King. And, uh, oh, thank you, Polly, for that, uh, saying I'd be a great teacher. Um, and that was the path I was going to be on, and I thought I could make it as a writer. I, I wanted to write fiction stories, um, actually, and I might get to that at some point uh, later in this life. <laughs> um, but uh, that was what I was going to do. And now it looks like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very seriously considering um, a career in psychology. Um, I, that would require student loans and going back to school and maybe taking a break from this channel or certainly, certainly reducing the amount of content I'm putting out. Um, but that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. Uh, I don't really want to end this channel. I really like what I'm doing with this. Um, but I also know Scientology is something I can only talk about for so long. Uh, now, cults and other things I can talk about quite a bit. And, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of content to be put out there. But there's things I need to learn. There's stuff I need to do. And so, um, so I'm figuring that out right now, you know. Uh, and yeah, it would probably piss Scientology off to no end if I became a psychologist. <laughs> Believe me, when I was in the church, that was the last thing I ever thought I would do. Um, thank you guys. You guys are, are, are saying some really kind comments right now in response to some of this. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, let's see here. Somebody says, what are the Panama Papers? Uh, Google it. I, I, I can't, I can't easily break it all down. Uh, it was a bunch of financial records, basically, but I, I'm not going to say more than that right now. Um, yeah, working for the Cyclos. Okay, guys. Um, I think we're going to wrap up here, unless there's any last questions anyone wants to throw at me before I go here. Um, oh, there's an interesting... Hey, maybe you missed... Do you plan on bringing Tony Ortega on your show? I have not ever thought about that. Which is really kind of an interesting omission on my part, isn't it? I like Tony. He's a great guy. Maybe we should do a show sometime. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll ask him about that. That's not a bad idea. Hey. Hey, uh, Lloyd. How's it going, man? Uh, okay, good. Let's go ahead and wrap up now. Thank you very much for coming around. You guys are awesome. Thanks for sticking with me. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your great comments. I really appreciate it. You guys really make my day. And... Um, <laughs> and uh yes we will do a magic underwear show john cedars and <laughs> lloyd <laughs> all right guys talk to you later i'm gonna go now bye-bye